It's August 2017 in Nashville, Tennessee. In just a few days, a rare natural phenomenon will occur for the first time in decades. There will be a total solar eclipse, meaning that in the middle of the day, for two whole minutes, the moon will completely block out the sun and the sky will be totally dark in the middle of the day. Naturally, people are planning to celebrate. Many Nashville residents are taking off work and many more people are coming into town to see the event. One of those people was me. This was nearly four years ago. At that time, I was a low-level software developer in an early career development program at a big health insurance company. I and my college best friend named Rend drove 15 hours from Philly to Nashville to spend the weekend hanging out with my coworker, Cruz, who was based there. Cruz invited two other friends to come have fun for the weekend as well. So there were five of us in total. We got to Nashville on Thursday, had a blast partying all weekend, saw the eclipse on Monday, and then we all went our separate ways home. Now, I had no idea at the time, but that trip would eventually change my life. On the drive home, stuck in Virginia traffic, my best friend, Rend, and I listened to an audiobook that would set us both on the path out of the 9-to-5 life and into entrepreneurship. That book is called The 4-Hour Workweek. Just one year after listening to that audiobook together, I was out on my own as a podcast entrepreneur, and Rend was getting ready to move to France to study wine and cooking. But that moment the moment that Rend and I had listening to that audiobook together, wasn't the only moment that weekend that secretly set me on a life-changing path. The other moment was the moment that I met one of the dudes that I would go on to hang out with that weekend. That dude is named Ravi Abuvala. Now, like I mentioned, Ravi had come to Nashville that weekend to visit his childhood friend, Cruz, who I was co-workers with. And while Rand and I at the time were software developers, Ravi was about to go to law school. We all converged upon Nashville that weekend to visit Cruz and have a good time. And that's exactly what we did. We partied, we had a blast, and then we went our separate ways. Coincidentally, though, Ravi also discovered entrepreneurship shortly after that trip to Nashville. And while Rand moved to France to study cooking, and while I launched a podcast that would eventually grow past 100,000 downloads and $100,000 in revenue, Ravi started two businesses. One of them he took past a million dollars in one year, and the second one is about to reach $10 million in two and a half years. Insane. And after meeting Ravi back in 2017, hanging out for a weekend, following him on Instagram, and then watching him completely transform his life in a matter of months, I needed to know how he did it. Because for me, after one year of entrepreneurship, I was still miserable. I had launched a cool podcast, yes, but I didn't know how to grow my audience or how to meaningfully monetize. In business terms, I didn't know how to scale. And after just one year of trying to figure all that stuff out on my own, I was totally burnt out and ready to give up. And it was in that moment of desperation that I reached out to Ravi to learn how the heck he went from law school dropout to million dollar entrepreneur in virtually no time and how I could do the same thing with my online business. After all, a podcast is an online business. He would teach me his ways 
And I would go on to take what he taught me and to apply it to podcasting and then take two podcasts past six figures in revenue. And today he's going to share those exact same things with you. This is Grow the Show, the podcast to help you grow your podcast. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and my mission is to help you, the independent podcaster, to grow your audience and monetize now so you can have a thriving podcast business. Today, we're actually reaching outside of the world of podcasting to chat with my business coach, Ravi Abuvala. Ravi has launched and scaled two online businesses past a million dollars, and he's largely done so by utilizing virtual assistants and highly efficient systems. Today, he's here to teach you how to apply both of those things to your podcast business. So if you're looking to scale your podcast to grow the show, then you are in the right place. Stick around. All right, so before we dive back into today's episode, we need to have a quick chat. Are you putting in endless hours into your podcast but not seeing the growth or revenue that you expected? It is a common struggle that many podcasters face, but that does not have to be your story. What if instead there was a proven system to not only skyrocket your podcast's growth, but also generate ROI from your show, bringing you clients and customers to your business? Well, that's exactly what the Grow the Show Academy offers. With over 90 different tutorials, live Q&A sessions and workshops every week, and a community of hundreds of growing podcasters, in the Academy, you're gonna have everything that you need to transform your podcast. Within the program, you're gonna learn how to refine your show's premise, retain your audience, attract new listeners where they already are, and convert your audience into paying customers. These are the strategies that I have honed for myself over the past five years, and these are the strategies that have helped hundreds of podcasters achieve exponential growth and significant income from their shows. So if you're ready to take your podcast from an expensive side project to a thriving profit center, just visit growtheshow.com slash academy or click the link in the show notes to learn more. I would love to see you on one of our next Q&A calls. Get your podcast unstuck and make it unstoppable. All right, let's get back to the show. My name is Ravi Abuvala, the founder of Scaling With Systems. Scaling With Systems is an online company that helps entrepreneurs to scale their businesses. Their intensive course, coaching, and community program teaches the fundamentals of sales, marketing, and delegation. And they even find and place their clients with a fully trained virtual assistant who already knows how to handle a lot of the grunt work. Ravi has taken this business past $7 million in only 26 months, and he's only 27 years old. On top of that, as recently as three years ago, Ravi wasn't even planning on becoming an entrepreneur. The goal since I was very little was to be a lawyer. And then pretty much after I graduated from Florida State, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer about three days after that. And that pretty much caused me to shift everything I was doing and instead did what every college graduate loves to do, moved into my dad's house, uh, right back into the parents' house and spent the next year doing law school admission test prep and doing um, uh, and taking my dad to the hospital five days a week for like six, seven hours a day. And then like I took the test, I got in the top 10% of test takers in the nation. But um, like you, I was kind of introduced, I know you 
reference Tim Ferriss for our work week. I was introduced to some of that world a little bit and kind of I, I pumped the brakes on the whole law school thing because I started talking to lawyers and they were telling me not to go to law school. And that was kind of a red flag for me a little bit. And uh, so I pretty much bought my first online course and that was my entrance into the online advertising world. And that kind of snowballed into, into where I am now. Thankfully, Ravi's dad is now a cancer survivor. And while that major life event did positively shift Ravi's career path from something he didn't want to do into something he was excited to do, he still had a major problem. Ravi had no idea how to run or grow a successful online business. Here's how he describes that first year of entrepreneurship. Pretty brutal, to be honest with you. Not not sexy at all. Not what you see on Instagram. As soon as I decided to drop out of law school, I told my dad. He told me I was throwing my life away. So I didn't have any money. I had to spend a year before that taking care of my dad and studying. Wow. I had college debt. So I got a job at an Italian restaurant making $2,000 a month serving breadsticks, essentially, right? So imagine going from like a top law school in the nation to working in an Italian restaurant. My parents thought I lost my mind. And I just started learning and doing coursework and then reaching out to people and like cold messaging people. And uh, the first eight months, we did $3,000 total revenue. $3,000 in eight months. That is pretty brutal. I actually thought I made a major mistake. My dad, he didn't kick me out of his house, but it was like, if you're not going to law school and you're not making money, you can't live here. Wow. I ended up living on my brother's couch. Um, I was working as a dishwasher in his restaurant and I still waking up at 5 a.m., shooting these like personalized cold message videos, trying to get this off the ground. But it was not a pretty time. And so if anybody here is going through that, that's listening right now, I'm just telling you, like, it might even be longer than you think. But the only difference between that, the successful and the unsuccessful, is you just, you keep on doing it. You just push through it to the other end. So how did he keep going through all of those early mornings on the couch? What was his motivation? Turns out it was the time he spent bringing his dad to chemotherapy. You know, you see the same people. You go three times a week. You see the same people every single time. Everyone on the same schedule. So I started becoming friends with them, some of them, and talking to them. And some of them were like 30 years old, 35 years old, with stage three and stage four lung cancer. And so, you know, I really hate to sound super cheesy here, but it was like it was like I was staring death in the face. I literally was with some of these people. Life is very, very fleeting. So he kept pushing towards his dream with little results. As Ravi said, in those first eight months while trying to figure it out all by himself, he made a grand total of $3,000. And then I went to my first ever mastermind. And that's when everything changed. A mastermind is when a bunch of entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their businesses come together in a community to trade notes, learn from each other, and grow together. We talked about masterminds in last month's episode with Jay Klaus, The Grow the Show Podcast Accelerator is a mastermind, and really the whole concept of a mastermind is becoming really, really popular on the internet. And why not? It's an extremely effective way to better yourself because you join a set of peers who are smart, talented, and all at around the same level, which is key. Everyone I had learned from before was in through courses and really get to talk to them ever. And they were so far ahead of me. And I met people that were like maybe two to three steps ahead of me. And that was when I was like, oh my God, like through my age, I could like touch them and like taste them. And I was like, okay, these are real life people. And so then I started listening to them. And that was when about 90 days after that, we had our first $30,000 a month, right? So did more like 10 times what we did the past eight months in 30 days. um, And it was from going to that first mastermind. 
Shortly after that, Ravi took that first business called Prospect Social past a million dollars. Then he launched his second business, Scaling with Systems, which will hit $10 million within the next six months. Insane. Now, I will admit this to-the-moon scaling and growth is really impressive to anyone who hears about it, but for me personally, it was absolutely mind-blowing because I actually watched Ravi transform his life in real time by following him on Instagram. He was just a regular guy that I met in Nashville, and then I had a front-row seat to this transformation. What do you remember from the weekend that you and I met? Yeah, it's funny. I knew we were going to bring this up on the podcast here. Uh, to be quite frank with you, not much. Those were actually <laughs> back when I was drinking, but this is when I was still going to law school or planning on going to law school. And I remember driving to Nashville to uh, go watch a solar eclipse at my friend, our mutual friend Cruz's house. And I remember uh, pretty much like meeting this tall guy named uh, Kevin there. I was like, oh, hey, what's going on, Kevin? He's like, what do you do? Oh, cool. I'm going to law yeah. school. And uh, the rest of the weekend was a blur. I guess the <laughs> eclipse was an excuse to drink for me back then, but not anymore. I remember at that point, I was a low-level software developer at a big health insurance company, and Ravi was getting ready to go to law school. We were both living a life that society had prescribed to us, and we were both kind of crushing it. I had a great job with a great salary. Ravi had gotten into the best law schools in the country, but we were both kind of miserable. Yet, it was really hard to reject that life and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Coincidentally, just months after Ravi and I met each other, partied for a weekend, and then went our separate ways, we both also separately took that leap into entrepreneurship at the same time in the summer of 2018. And we've both been successful, but Ravi has indeed grown his business much, much faster than I have. Today, he's going to share some of the exact tactics that he used to do that and that you can use to grow your podcast business. But first, it's important to understand the three key realizations Ravi had early on about entrepreneurship. These three realizations empowered his explosive growth as a business owner and as a person. They've driven my own growth as an entrepreneur ever since Ravi shared them with me last year. And today, I'm hoping that these three lessons will help Help you unlock the next level of growth in your podcast business. So the first thing was, it was like, I actually got to speak to someone that was really close to me that was doing it. So then it was just like solidified. Okay. Like if I keep on doing this, I can get that. Like the cool thing, Steve Jobs once said it, but it's like, you know, the world changes when you realize that everything around you was created by somebody not so much smarter than yourself. And so that was like, I was seeing people that I was like, oh, they're, they're not like this, you know, astrophysicist. Like I definitely could figure this out. And so that was number one. Number two was that I was so embarrassed of me switching over to entrepreneurship and not being successful in entrepreneurship. Mm. I didn't want anybody in my close family or friends to know that I was an entrepreneur until I was already a successful entrepreneur. Like I didn't want anybody to see me hustling and grinding. Mm. I just wanted to be like, oh, you know, pull up one day. I had in my mind, I would pull up one day to the local bar in a Ferrari. Like, and oh, what are you doing, Ravi? Oh, you know, this whole thing. Like that was what I used to think yeah, yeah. would go in my mind. And the issue is, and I've learned this now and and uh, you know I talk about this inside my program but you know the people buy from you because they tr trust you they trust your company and they believe and trust your product or service will deliver the results well in the very beginning when you're starting out that product or service that'll deliver results that you don't even know if you can trust that you actually don't know if you can deliver that yet and so you have to rely on the trust of you and trust of your company 
And the issue with starting out and not talking to anybody that knows you is that you're only talking to people that don't know you, so they don't trust you, and they don't trust your product or service because you've never had any results. So mm. I was doing cold outbound messages all the time, and nobody was responding to me, no one wanted to work with me, and I'm like, this, this is so hard. And so what I did was, that was one of the biggest things I did. I posted on my Facebook group, the only client, her name's Jennifer Wolf. she uh, runs TrueFit Pilates in uh, Bluffton, mm. South Carolina, I'll give you a shout out. So a city of 14,000 people, but we were smashing it for her campaign. Campaign. She was my only free trial client I had. So I just remember I posted it on my Facebook page one day and I said, you know, hey, check out my client. I've made her this amount of money in this amount of days. If anybody's looking for help, let me know. I remember I went on a run and the whole run, I'm like, oh my God, like I shouldn't have done this. Everyone's going to make fun of me. And I go back to my computer, I open it up and we had like 80 comments at the time, like five or six shares. I had so many DMs and people were like, Ravi, I didn't know you do this stuff. Like, I remember you were so smart in college. Like, could you help me? Could you help my friend? Like, you know, and all of a sudden it was just like calls, 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 calls. And uh, so, yeah, the big major thing for me was like selling to leveraging that personal network first to prove a concept and prove like that you can actually deliver results. And then you take those case studies and sell to the colder, wider audience, go after one niche and one industry and become the absolute very best at that one industry, one offer, make it duplicatable and then scale that one up. Okay. 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 Well, hold on. How does all of this relate to you as a podcaster? It's a cool story, but what does it mean for you? Okay, let's break those three realizations down. Realization number one, you need to put yourself around people who have already achieved what you want to achieve. Once you do that, you get to know these people as people and you see their results. It starts to become a little more real for you. It feels easier. In the case of podcasting, that means that you need to somehow surround yourself with other good podcasters, preferably those who are just two to three steps ahead of you. Now, the Grow the Show free Facebook group does have over 500 like-minded podcasters, and the Grow the Show Accelerator program has over 70 podcasters who have all committed themselves to growing together, but you do not have to get it from us. There are other groups around as well, but you really should join one. Realization number two, Ravi learned, is the power of your own network. What does this mean for you as a podcaster? Well, it relates directly to podcast sponsorship. Ravi was having an awful time finding customers for his business, and he was cold emailing people every single morning at 5 a.m. to see if they would work with him. Those people didn't even respond because they didn't know him. They didn't trust him. Then he put just one post on his personal Facebook page about his business. He went for a run and he came home to 80 messages of people wanting to work with him. This lesson can be applied directly to finding podcast sponsorship. Pitch to people who already know you or your show first instead of cold pitching Squarespace and Casper mattresses like other podcasters do right out of the gate. Now, yes, you do need to make sure that that sponsor actually wants to reach your target audience. So if your audience definition is vague, no matter where the sponsorship comes from, it's not going to work. And that is lesson number three. You need to niche all the way down. The third lesson is one we've shared many times on this program. You need to be more specific about your audience. And if you need help with that, listen to episode two of Grow the Show with Eric Newsom. He'll explain exactly how you can do that and why it's so important. So niche down, that's Ravi's third lesson. And he actually also snuck in a fourth one that's just as important. Create a duplicatable backend system. Duplicatable. We keep using that word in this episode, but what exactly does it mean to make your business and your podcast duplicatable? 
something that's duplicatable, you can almost remove yourself from as much as possible. And that is the basis of Ravi's teachings, scaling with systems. As a podcaster, that allows you to remove yourself from the production process, and that will help you effectively scale and grow your podcast business. But wait a second. It's your podcast. You're the host. It's your show. Why should you try to remove yourself from it? So like in an example of either my coaching program or in a podcast, like, sure, I need to be there on the coaching calls or you need to be there on the podcast, but 98% of the other stuff you don't need to be there for, for finding your guests, researching your guests, creating the questions, um, you know, pre-guest interviews, post-editing, uh, publishing, distribution, all that other stuff. You don't have to be a part of any of that process, yet we all decide that we need to be. And there's no way anybody else could do it as good as us, which... Could be true, but if someone did it 80% as well as you did, would that be okay, right? Like, is that fine? Most likely that will be. And so all it takes is actually figuring it out and putting it on paper. Ah, so that sounds a lot like the lesson that time management expert Anna Dearman Cornick shared with us in last week's episode about time management. You just sit down, do a part of your process and write it down. It sets you up for outsourcing to someone else. So we've heard how this is important now, two episodes in a row, but I can still hear that voice in your head saying, how is it that I can remove myself from this? It's my show. I hear you. Think about it like this. It's like you're a successful painter. You can't hire somebody to do the actual painting and create the art of your business. You can, however, hire an assistant to keep track of supplies and financials. You can hire a marketer to run your social media ads. You can hire a web developer to write the code for your web store. In our case, if you're a successful podcaster, yes, of course you have to host the show. But you too could and should outsource production. You could outsource researching and countless other tasks that need to get done. Are you with me? Well, there's one thing that we actually have to watch out for. You can't just go from zero to 60 and outsource everything right off the bat. While many entrepreneurs make the mistake of never outsourcing, many other entrepreneurs make the opposite mistake of outsourcing too early. So as business owners who want to grow a podcast business and who understand the need to outsource the grunt work, what is the first thing we need to understand about when to outsource? Confirm product market fit. So if you're getting one to two clients a month, is it because you're not doing enough outreach and no one hears about you? Or is it because nobody wants what you're selling? To translate that into podcasting, we need to confirm that the show is good and that it's a show that strangers will want to listen to. I can't tell you how many podcasters I chat with who say, oh, I get like 50 downloads an episode and their show is super vague, really doesn't have a topic. And it turns out that those 50 people who are tuning into the show are just their friends and family who are being supportive. They don't actually have podcast market fit. The show isn't interesting to strangers. Again, to learn how to do that, simply listen to episode two of this podcast, Grow the Show with Eric Newsom. So once you have the right podcast market fit and you know that there is a really specific niche of strangers who are going to love your show, then it's time to start establishing systems and outsourcing. Even so, as you start to think about establishing systems, beware of one more common mistake. 
The first thing I'd see is people worrying about the building the wrong systems, right? They worry about systems they need like 10 steps down the road instead of the system they need right now. Hmm. So an example of that could be either the people that are podcasts on here or coaches on here is like, they're worried about how do I do the backend fulfillment? How do I make sure I have this perfect or the distribution of my podcast? And you've even figured out how am I going to get guests on the show in the first place? How do I systemize that? How do I get really great talented, qualified people on the show? Or how do I get really great clients? And so the issue is that I know the systems, but I'm doing it out of order. And the reason most people do things out of order like that is because the things you know to be need to do, step one and step two, are the most difficult. They're the scariest, the ones most likely to end in rejection. So instead of worrying about, let me asking if this very famous person will be on my show, let me instead tinker on the back end about what my website should look like and what my colors should be. And and I'll build that system back there because that's not scary. No one's going to hurt me. I see this all the time in podcasters as well. For us, for podcasters, the scary work is the foundational work. Figuring out your 10-word description, your super specific audience definition, and whether you have podcast market fit. Is your show good enough to get complete strangers to give you 45 minutes of their attention? It's doing the boring and difficult work of defining your audience, niching down, experimenting with targeted daily engagement. Most podcasters skip these things and they jump right to making 30 episodes and then they wonder why they can't get any more listeners or sponsors. It is scary, but you have to do the foundational work first. If you don't, then I will tell you right now, your show is not going to grow. It's not going to blow up with some fancy celebrity guest and you're not gonna get any return from grinding it out and making all these episodes. You have to do the boring and scary work. Okay, so let's say you've done the boring and scary work. You've established your audience. You know that you have a show that's working for strangers. Now the name of the game is to grow and you're ready to outsource. Remember that mastermind conference that totally changed Ravi's business and his life? One of the biggest things they talked about there was delegation. Even still, Ravi then faced the problem that most new podcasters have. He was ready to outsource, but he didn't have a budget. I didn't have thirty, fifty, eighty thousand dollars to hire someone in the United States. Yet he still needed to outsource in order to hit the next step. And so I was introduced to a virtual assistant. A virtual assistant is a contractor you hire, usually on an hourly basis, to help you with your day-to-day tasks. And because they work totally and completely remotely, you can hire people from all over the world, including countries with a lower cost of living, where the dollar goes much, much further. Ravi found a couple of really great employees based in the Philippines. What I figured out was like, okay, these people are $3, $5 an hour, which is above minimum wage, three to five times above minimum wage in the Philippines. And yet they're really effective workers because they're highly educated and many of them speak fantastic English. And even if you hire one who isn't a great fit, you're not going to lose out on thousands of dollars from just making one mistake. The risk is so low because the cost is so low, right? What is the worst that's going to happen? They send the wrong email or, you know, they cost you a week's worth of work. It doesn't work out. So $40, you know, $80, $120. Still, even though the risk is low, you might get nervous when hiring a virtual assistant and you might start having thoughts like this. 
they're going to run away. They're going to steal my information. They're going to build their own business. But if you just think like the biggest question, and we always talk about this inside my circles is like, what's the risk and reward here? So risk is I work with them. Maybe they, let's say they take my messaging and they go start their own business, or I work with them and they decide they're not doing a good job. I paid them for two weeks and they leave. Okay. But what's the reward if it works out? Okay. I have something that's making me money. I can two times it, three times it, five times it, 10 times it and pay somebody else, you know, $400, $500 to do it. So you just have to view it through that lens. And I think a lot of people are just afraid. Even I think the hiring the first employee is really scary. And now yeah. that you've done yours, like, I'm sure you're going to hire a few more pretty soon on here. Cause like now you see it. Yeah. Now you, once you see the value of it, you're like, well, I don't need to be doing anything, but like right. this podcast right here. Right. right? But I think the big, biggest limiting belief is just getting past that first. And that's why I love VAs because it's like yeah. the worst that happens is like you lose $50 and then you're like, okay, great. Let me just go find somebody else. The other piece that you might be surprised about is how many different things these VAs can do and can do really well. They'll do a lot of things. I mean, we have ours do lead generation, bookkeeping, lead qualification, ads creation, media buying, funnel creation, customer success management, uh, podcast research, you know, you name it. We've done book flights for me, international travel, negotiate down deals. Like, but yeah, they're human beings just like you and I. And like you had said, they speak multiple languages. Sometimes I have my VAs that I think are smarter than me in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think they can definitely, definitely help out your business. And that's another limiting belief is like, oh, they wouldn't be able to do this thing. I, I say this sometimes in podcasts, but you give me your best employee. I'm going to put up again one of my virtual just assistants and we're going to see yes. who comes out on top here. And so if you're like me, after learning about all of these benefits, you might be thinking, hey, hiring a virtual assistant sounds great, but how the heck do I actually find one that I can trust? So uh, number one is just like, I call it the closed network, right? Friends, family, you hit up somebody. Hey, you know, do you have a VA? You post in a Facebook group. Hey, can I have a VA? Whatever it is. That's like the beginning of your business when you have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of money because there's a little risk involved in there, right? You don't know how qualified these people are. They're usually not coming fully trained in. Um, you know, you don't know if these people are good referrals. Are they going to steal your information, see your business, any kind of like that? But they're usually free. It's just like, hey, here's this person. You can start working with them. So that's the easiest. If you're just starting out, that's probably the simplest way that you can do it. Uh, Option number two is using like freelance websites, you know, like Fiverr, Upwork, stuff like that. Only issues with those is, you know, and you can attest to this yourself, but there's a big difference with having a contractor who's working, you know, for your business and having a team member dedicated to the growth of your business, right? And then the third and final option is, is a virtual assistant placement agency, right? That's what we are at Scaling with Systems. I used a different one uh, when I first started as well. It was definitely pretty expensive for me back then when I first started out. But Mel Jane, who I've now had for two and a half years, the first day she came in, she was fully trained on what she needed to do. Wow. And that was ma- massively beneficial for me. And I was and starting in my business where I was like, okay, I started understanding the difference between time and money. And I was like, okay, I'd rather get someone fully trained that understands how to do everything and can come in, hit the ground running than me having to teach them myself. And so that's like, those are pretty much your three major options. If you have no money, I recommend doing the uh, referral route. If you have a little bit of money and you just want someone fully trained, I recommend doing kind of the VA agency route. And then if you just are like, I need a one-off, you can do something like Upwork or Fiverr. You can totally start small and get some tasks off of your plate now so you can focus on growth and monetization, but it is important to start, to decide that your podcast is a business and even to start generating revenue right now, even if you still have a full-time job. Now, I will say this stuff is not easy. 
it's going to be a lot worse before it gets better. You are going to be your own cheerleading squad. But then if you can weather those really bad storms, I'll tell you what, they have the ability to change clients' lives, people's lives, uh, you know, to live a really true life of fulfillment and freedom. For me, it was worth every single second. The same is true for me too. It gets harder before it gets easier, but it is possible to accomplish what you want to accomplish. The key, as Ravi has mapped out, is to surround yourself with other people who have already achieved what you want to achieve, even if it involves paying to attain that knowledge and join that community. I am proud to say that Ravi is my business coach. I've paid him and Scaling with Systems thousands to learn how to work with VAs, how to make Facebook ads, how to scale a coaching business. And the reason I've done that is so that I can learn how to reach and serve you. You would not be hearing my voice today if I hadn't made that investment in myself. So my message to you today is to please invest in yourself, hire a coach, select a mentor, join a community of people who are two to three steps ahead of you and learn from them instead of trying to figure it all out on your own and by Googling things. Very, 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 very few people have ever amassed massive success that way. Now, if you want me to be your coach, if you want to join the Grow the Show community, the links are in the show notes. You can get instant access to all of that. Either way, even if you don't join my community or Ravi's community, even if you never join our paid programs, that's fine. Just please promise me that you will go out and get the mentorship and the community from somewhere so you can follow in the footsteps of others and model them and learn from them. That way you can fast track your show into being a thriving podcast business instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting for the show to blow up. It never does, and you pod fade away. Don't do it that way. Please, hire a coach. Okay, I'm done. Grow the Show is a Q9 production. This episode was hosted and produced by me with associate production by Catherine Nails and theme music by myself and Tom McGovern. For Grow the Show, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. See you next week. <laughs>